brethren, Brother Bob here again. I'm going to do a two-part podcast on a topic of the believer's responsibility of going out into the world and sharing the message of Christ. But before I get started, just remember that I have chosen to use verses 3 and 4 in the letter from Jude as my take charge verse for any podcast that I do. Jude 3 and 4 says, Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about about the common salvation that we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into the churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live our lives any way we want to. I do these podcasts because I genuinely care about God's truths getting out to the church, knowing that there's a remnant out there who still love to hear the truths of God's word. Now, I am humble enough to know that I'm not the greatest podcaster out there in podcast land. Can I hear an amen? Now, I know that it is absolutely irrelevant for me to share what I share if the person listening to what I'm saying is not allowing the Holy Spirit to open their spiritual eyes and spiritual mind to the truth. There is only so much that I can do with truth. I can share it. I can verify it. But if you are not willing to receive truth over a lie... Neither I nor the Holy Spirit can help you. Even with that said, though, I absolutely believe that it is every believer's personal responsibility to choose to learn and be obedient to the truths of God's written word, whether they want to or not. Brethren, the Holy Spirit is not going to study and learn and then obey God's word for us. There will be a day of reckoning for every child of God who chooses to ignore God's truths so that they could instead believe a lie. And the commandment of going out and sharing the message of Christ with the lost would be one of those commandments, those biblical truths that the Lord expects us to obey. Now, I know that I do not always say the right thing on these podcasts. And I know that I do not always share the truth of God's word in the best way. Please be forgiving. I too know that I'm a sinner saved by grace. But even with that said, I know that what I'm sharing with the church is biblically correct, even though I might not be sharing it PCC. Politically, church correct. I have shared in the past that I believe that I have a touch of the prophet Jeremiah or Isaiah in me. They too delivered God's word in a hard-hitting way that was not well accepted by most of God's people. So brethren, I promise you, I will always tell you what you need to hear and not tell you what you want to hear. There will be no spiritual snowflake messages on my podcast. So I promise you, as long as the good Lord keeps me alive, I'm going to continue teaching you the truth whether you want to hear it or not. Brethren, unlike the fake news, and sadly unlike many churches, the truths that I share with you are not concepts that were made up in my mind. And unlike the fake news, and again sadly unlike the church, I will not avoid sharing the truth of God's word on these podcasts. Now I do know that the truths of God's word that I share are going to offend a lot of listeners. I get that. To that point, I say praise God, because that means that even though you might not agree with what I'm sharing, you are at least listening to what I am sharing. All I ask of you is that before you judge me a a Looney Tune believer, at least take the time to verify if what I am sharing is truth or not truth. Do not judge me simply because you do not like what I am sharing with you. The biblical truths that I share with you are right out of God's written word, and they're clearly implied if they're not clear truths, and historical or scientific or grammatical truths that I share with you, like pagan origins of Christmas and Easter, 
or the historical history of Bible translations, or even the evil side effects of psychiatry and psychology, and the real name of our Savior, Yeshua, and our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, all come from actual, factual truths that can be verified by doing a simple online encyclopedia Google search. I'm afraid that many in the church really do not want to hear about certain truths because certain truths forces them out of their comfort zone. I promise you I do not have a hidden agenda for doing these podcasts. I just love truth. I truly believe what I'm doing is God-honoring and God-pleasing. When I got born again in January of 1980, my Savior got my heart and my mind because when I got saved, I so appreciated what he did to save my sorry butt from hell that I truly and genuinely made decision to know him better and to know his word better all the days of my earthly life. I mean, come on, brethren. After all Christ went through for us, what other reason do we need to be motivated to serve and follow him than the price he paid to save us? I know that a lot of people out there in the world do not like what I share on these podcasts, but that is not because what I share is not truthful. It is because it makes believers feel uncomfortable or embarrassed because they know the things that I share most churches are no longer teaching. Brethren, it is not to me. It is not to me, you will answer someday. It is to the Lord. On our judgment day, I believe the good Lord will open up his written word, his scriptures, the book that most believers have easy access to these days, and ask his children the simple request. My child, using my written word, show me why you believed what you believed about me and about my teachings. I am genuinely afraid that many in the church will not even know why they believe what they believe. So anyways, back to the witnessing topic. Go out into the world and preach the gospel to the lost. In the past, I shared a podcast explaining six reasons why I believe most churches are spiritually asleep. Well, I believe there's another obvious sign of a spiritually dead or nearly dead church, and that is a laugh a lack of concern for lost souls. More specifically, a lack of concern for sharing the faith to the lost people on a one-on-one personal level. For the most part, God's people are no longer taking on the responsibility of personally reaching out to share their faith with the lost around them. I know that one of the main reasons why the churches are failing in the area of evangelism is that the church is no longer expecting or requiring to have gifted evangelists in the place of authority in the church hierarchy. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 and 12, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and some as teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ. So let's break these verses down. And he gave some as apostles. Now the he here is Christ. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Now unless you are a believer who lives in la-la land, you know that the era of the capital A Apostles is over. The capital A Apostles were those men whom the Lord used to start up this new thing called the body of Christ. 2 Corinthians 12.12, the signs of a true capital A Apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. Now anyone with any lick of common sense knows that there is not one single person on this planet today who is doing the supernatural works of a true capital A apostle. And how do we know that? First of all, we know that because the scripture tells us that those initial supernatural works of the apostles would end. Today in the church age, we are commanded to walk by faith and not by sight. We also know that the age of the capital A apostle has ended 
Because if there was one single capital A apostle on planet Earth doing all those amazing signs and wonders that the original apostles performed, there would be thousands of YouTube videos showing them or him doing this supernatural, miraculous, amazing works. So even though there were gifted apostles in the beginning, those gifts have ended. And he gave some as prophets, it says in Ephesians. What about the gifted prophets? Sadly, I believe many in the church have taken liberties with their views of what a gifted prophet in the church age would do. The gifted prophet in the church age is not a foreteller of future unknown events. If that was the case, it would have been nice if we would have had one prophet of God tell the church about the COVID issue that's been going on for a year and a half. A gifted prophet is simply a believer who was supernaturally endowed by God to be good at explaining, i.e. teaching, some of the deeper or hidden things of God's word. So basically, a gifted church prophet today is simply a man who the Lord has supernaturally empowered to be better at explaining God's word to God's people than a man who's not gifted. Now, a believer can be a gifted teacher without being a gifted prophet, or vice versa. Just as a believer can be a gifted shepherd without being a gifted evangelist. Again, if there was one single prophetic foreteller of future events in the church, the whole world would know about them. It would be on the headlines. It would be in the news. The whole church would, would have been warned about a lot of bad things that have happened in the last 5, 10, 20 years. I am simply amazed by the number of believers who seriously follow the phony, self-promoting, fake prophets in the church who try to pass themselves off as revealers of prophetic truth, and yet they are never, ever right 100% of the time. The Bible tells us that a true prophet of the Lord is always right. Not 50% right, not 75%, not even 95% right. A true foreteller of future events is 100% right. Or he's a phony. Anyways, I don't want to get sidetracked on this issue, but I'll do a podcast on this topic. But it is clear in the scriptures that there are fake or false prophets out there, and even in the church, who say that they are of the Lord, and who can do some amazing things who were not sent by the Lord of the scriptures. A couple examples, Jeremiah 14, 11-15, And the Lord said to Jeremiah, Do not pray for these people anymore. When they fast, I will pay no attention. When they present their burnt offerings and grain offerings to me, I will not accept them. Instead, I will devour them with war and famine and disease. Then I said, O sovereign Lord, their prophets are telling them all is well. No war or famine will come. The Lord will surely send you peace. Then the Lord said, These prophets are telling lies in my name. I did not send them or tell them to speak. I did not give them any messages. They prophesy of visions and revelations that they have not heard from me. They speak foolishness, made up in their own lying hearts. Now that was out of the Old Testament, but here's something from the New Testament. This is what Christ himself shared. Matthew 24, 3-11, Later Christ sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us when will this happen? What sign will signal your return in the end of the world? Christ told them, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Messiah, or I am the way. They will deceive many. And you will hear rumors of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. These things must take place, but the end won't happen immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But this is only the first of the birth pains, with much more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated over all the world because you are my followers. 
And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Are you hearing that? Again, I'll talk about this on a different podcast. Continue on with the gifts that the Lord gave the church. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 again. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists. I believe if a church is functioning biblically, there will be a gifted evangelist or evangelist, plural, in that church. Every church. And not only that, these gifted evangelists should be in every church and have the same authority, leadership authority, that any gifted pastor or gifted prophet or gifted teacher has. Unfortunately, in today's churches, gifted evangelists are not recognized as having the same authority as a pastor or an elder. And that is what is missing in most of today's churches. I believe that there should be gifted prophets and gifted teachers, gifted evangelists and gifted shepherds in equal leadership role in every Christian Bible-professing church. This plurality of gifted men in leadership roles in a church is God's ordained plan for how his church should run. And yet, sadly, most churches have eliminated the need for these gifted men in the church and have instead usually delegated all these positions to one man, the head pastor. Brethren, the good Lord never intended for the pastor slash shepherd to be taking on all these roles, teacher, prophet, and evangelist all by himself. And the idea that a gifted evangelist is directed by the Lord to become a traveling evangelist and visit local Christian churches in an attempt to win souls is absurd. And Christ gave some as evangelists for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service. That's what it says in Ephesians. Do I need to paraphrase this for you? Christ is gifted a believer or believers in every church as evangelists so that they can teach the sheep how to do evangelism so that the sheep, not the traveling evangelists, can go out into the world and properly share the gospel of Christ out in the world. Not at a Sunday night revival meeting. I believe it is sad that there are so many pastors and churches who are so biblically ignorant that they do not think that the sheep need to be taught how to evangelize. And worse yet, many pastors believe that it is wrong for believers to simply choose to go out and try to win souls for Christ. How idiotic is that thinking? These overly spiritual pastors foolishly believe that every lost soul that God wants to have hear the gospel of Christ will show up at a Sunday night church revival meeting. you got to be kidding me. Christ looked out into the world. He lived in it and said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers are few. It takes some effort to be a good harvester. The Holy Spirit is not going to harvest your garden for you, brethren. These signs of wonder pastors must believe that it was a waste of time for Christ to go from town to town and city to city sharing things about the kingdom. These cowardly pastors must believe that all the random evangelism work that the Apostle Paul did was a waste of time. Acts 17, verses 1 through 4. Now when they had traveled through Ampelius and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. Now isn't this amazing? You're going to get idiots in a church who are going to tell you, Well, you can't really reason with people and have them understand the truth of the gospel. You know, you can't really try to persuade people with logic or you can't try to use Bible prophecy or... Isn't that idiotic? Paul reasoned with them for three weeks. Paul went on to say, This Yeshua whom I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded. (gasps) 
Persuaded? How were they persuaded? They were persuaded because Paul used the scriptures to explain and reason to lost people. What the Apostle Paul was doing was evangelism. He was out there sharing things of God's word to try to persuade people to think about their eternity, to think about their Messiah, to think who their Messiah was. Time after time, if you go through the book of Acts, message after message, either it was Apostle Peter or Stephen or it was Silas or it was Paul, they shared the story, they went through the Old Testament, they explained the gospel to people so that they could believe it. And in Acts 17, not only were the Jews persuaded, there was a large number of God-fearing Greeks and a large number of important Greek women who believed the message that Paul shared. You know what? The Apostle Paul won some of the higher-ups in the Greek culture. He won them over to believe in Christ by logically using the truths of scriptures. I know this concept drives most Pentecostals batty. Brother Bob, I was told that we cannot win people over to Christ with words, that the Holy Spirit has to zap them before they can see the truth. That concept is ludicrous. Why would the Apostle Peter and Paul bother reasoning with lost people if they knew that their tactic was a waste of time? Yes, the Holy Spirit will lead and direct the lost soul who is seeking to know the Lord to the truth of salvation. However, accepting the truths of God's word will also lead a lost person to salvation. There are a dozen examples in the New Testament scriptures of lost people coming to Christ because the truths of the scriptures were shared with them. Just read Peter's first sermon in, to the Jews in Acts chapter 2. He uses most of the Old Testament as a way to open the eyes of the Jews he was preaching to. And the Apostle Paul said, I become all things so that I can win more people over to Christ. Why would Paul bother doing that if it had nothing to do with getting people saved? I do believe that the Holy Spirit opens the eyes of those who cannot make sense of the whole Christ died for them scenario. However, many people do accept the message of Christ because it makes logical sense when they realize that they were sinners who could not save themselves. Brethren, only a cowardly, selfish believer would ever think that there is a bad time to share the gospel of Christ with a lost person. So I believe that one of the main reasons why the church is failing miserably in the area of personal evangelism is the lack of a gifted evangelist in the church leadership position. And each and every church should be raising up these gifted people in their home churches. The idea of hiring people from outside the church, usually some, from some faraway seminary school, for the various church leadership roles, roles that the Lord wants gifted men to fill, is also unbiblical. Remember what Christ said about hireling shepherds. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 13, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd is one who is not owner of the sheep, does not care for the sheep. And when he sees the wolf coming... He runs and leaves the sheep, and he flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. Now I know that out there in this great big world that there are a lot of believers who are sharing their faith face-to-face -face with the dying world. Praise God. And I know that there are believers in the church who are not listening to the stupid counsel of their pastors who teach that a believer should only witness if the Spirit is leading them. My God. How did some of your pastors ever become shepherds? Oh, that's right, hirelings. Brethren, do you want a word or leading of the Spirit about witnessing to the lost? Christ told his followers to go out into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Brethren, the Bible commands all of God's children to be out there sharing the love story of Christ with the dying world. Yes, we do have a Heavenly Father who loves us, but he loves his Son much more. 
And being that he sent his only son to die for mankind, our Heavenly Father simply asks us to share the love message of his son with the lost and dying world all around us. Brethren, our Heavenly Father is not going to preach the message of Christ for us. He put that responsibility on us. Again, Christ said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Christ sent him out two by two, city to city, to preach the kingdom. The book of Acts is full of examples of Christians, persecuted Christians, who went from city to city and town to town, sharing the gospel. Now, because so many in the church are ignorant of biblical truth, I need to share something that used to be obvious to God's people. When Christ said, go out to the world and preach the gospel, he was giving his followers, all his followers for the church, a commandment. Going on and preaching the gospel is not an optional commandment that God's people can choose to ignore, at least not without eternal consequences. Luke chapter 9, verse 26 says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory, in the glory of his Father and his holy angels. The verse that I just read, like 99% of the New Testament Bible, is written to, for, and about a people who profess a saving faith in Christ. The only reason the Lord would have to share a verse like the one I just read is that he knows that there will be believers in the church age who will succumb or be pressured to feel ashamed or embarrassed about their faith. I hope you notice that the Lord did not have any sympathy for these cowardly believers. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in all his glory. Sadly, there are born-again people in the church who are ashamed or embarrassed about witnessing or even their lost family members. Sad, sad, sad. Now, brethren, our Heavenly Father is not going to force us to share the message of Christ with the lost. But be warned, there will be serious consequences in eternity for not being faithful with our personal evangelism to the lost. I'll touch more on this a little bit later on. Sadly, many in the church have tried to pass the buck when it comes to evangelism. They've tried to pass their buck when it comes to their personal responsibility of sharing their faith onto some traveling evangelist or by sending money to some faraway missionaries. Now, I'm not saying that either of those things are bad, but ministries like these should not hinder God's people from their own personal responsibility of witnessing to the lost. I always find it bewildering that so many churches claim that the Holy Spirit is directing their path, and yet most churches do not follow the Bible's guidelines for how the Lord wants His church to run and function. Anyways, that's a different topic for a different time. Back to sharing our faith. I promise you that if you are being led by the Spirit, the Spirit is going to lead you to share your faith with the lost. If you are truly born again, think back to when you finally realized what Christ did to save you from hell. Think back to that simultaneous heartfelt joy and sorrow that you experienced when you realized how much Christ loved you, while at the same time realizing the price that he paid to redeem your soul. Sadly, I believe that many in the church have forgotten that first love. For many believers, the vision or picture of the price hanging on those spikes is barely in view anymore. In this day and age of nice stuff and nice things and nice jobs and pretty trinkets and all kinds of nice, cushy, fun, worldly things to do, many in the church have not only lost a clear view of their dying Savior, but also of all those lost souls out there in the world who have never had the message of Christ shared with them. Again, as I've already shared, I truly believe that an obvious sign of a dead church is the lack of concern for the teaching that God's people, each and every one of us, are responsible to take the message of Christ to the lost. Remember, the Bible says that God so loved the world, that means lost and saved people. I'm going to stop right here. This is your friend in Christ, Brother Bob. Again, you can reach me at 
probob number four him at gmail.com. That's probob number four him at gmail.com.